This is where Texas politics gets interesting. Here again are two guys named Jason, some great guests, and cold Texas beer for another smart conversation on Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas. Hey there, Jason Whiteley here with you with this special episode of Yolitics. It's not one we planned on in the middle of the week here, but I got an email the other day from State Representative David Spiller. He's a Republican from Jacksboro, about an hour northwest of Fort Worth. Spiller's also the lawmaker who wrote Senate Bill 4. Now, he's in the House of Representatives, but he's the guy that wrote the legislation that became Senate Bill 4. And this is the one that's made a lot of headlines in the last few weeks across the state and even across the country. The House and Senate passed it. Governor Abbott said he will sign it. This is the one that lets state and local police charge undocumented immigrants with a crime. It made all this news because immigration law is generally saved for federal responsibility, but Texas is going to test that in the courts, it looks like. Well, Spiller said he listened to our last episode of Yolitics with State Rep. Victoria Niave Criado, a Dallas Democrat, and San Antonio Congressman Joaquin Castro, a Democrat who represents parts of South Texas. Both of them, along with many other folks we've talked to, worry that this bill, Senate Bill 4, is going to lead to racial profiling when it's signed into law. They think that undocumented immigrants who came to Texas years ago can be rounded up since state and local police can enforce it. They're afraid that people might be stopped on the streets and asked for their papers. If you listened to the last episode, you did hear Representative Niave Criado say she even carries her passport with her, worrying that she's going to have to prove her citizenship to someone someday. Well, Representative Spiller said all this hype is unjustified. He asked if he could respond to that episode, and we said certainly. So here's our interview with him. Representative, thanks for coming in. We appreciate the time. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. You faced a lot of pushback about this bill, House Bill 4, which you originally came up with uh, earlier this year. Uh, State Rep. Victoria Niave Criado, Congressman Joaquin Castro, they were both on our, our Yolitics political podcast recently talking about this. You said they were making inaccurate statements. What are they, what are they getting wrong on this? Well, first of all, and I did carry House Bill 4 both in the third special session and very similar to what we passed this time out of the House and the Senate with Senate Bill 4. Um, and so they're very similar, but there's a lot of mischaracterization that this is one of these, similar to what Arizona did back in 2010 with SB 1070 that they passed. It's the subject of the Arizona versus U.S. case, kind of a show me your papers deal. That is not at all what Senate Bill 4 does. It's focused on the misdemeanor criminal offense uh, of if someone, uh, an alien, enters our country uh, at a illegally, basically at a place other than a port of entry, then they've committed a state uh, criminal offense, a class B misdemeanor. And there's nothing really new about that. That's, that's in existing federal law, has been on the law, uh, on the books for years. Why are so, why do you think so many people are concerned about this? So much pushback. We saw a visceral reaction on the House floor uh, during the debates on this. Well, you know, I, I understand it. I understand that it's a sensitive subject. We're, we're dealing with uh, a lot of uh, difficult issues, and I, I recognize that. We've tried, and Senate before, tried to put safeguards 
in place. Uh, there were things when we went through the first time. There were there were amendments that Democrats offered, yeah. and I I heard some of those. Some of those uh, made some sense to me, and so I took those as my own, added it into House Bill Four in the third session, and said some of those are good ideas. And not only that, strengthen those as far as places where we can enforce those or places where enforcement would be prohibited. And included and made sure that when we filed jointly, when Senator Perry in the Senate and myself in the House filed identical bills, this time we wanted to make sure uh, that those safeguards, I wanted to make sure that those safeguards were in there. So I understand the concern. Uh, some of it is just kind of a, a philosophical difference as to how we're going to approach the problem of, uh, of the fact that the Biden administration has completely failed and refused to enforce our, our southern border. Opponents say they worry about racial profiling, and that's something you've heard a lot about. You say this is not going to result in that because of laws that are already on the books. This is a Class B misdemeanor, and that has a statute of limitations for two years. So you say there's, there's no chance that somebody in Houston or the city of Dallas or West Texas is going to get pulled over and picked up if they've been here for 50 years. Well, I'm not saying that they couldn't be stopped or detained, but let's, let's go back to the racial profiling issue. This bill under, for illegal entry and the elements of illegal entry have absolutely nothing to do with race. As a matter of fact, uh, we have people come across our southern border from over 100 different countries. Uh, I don't know which race that we're talking about. I mean, there, there would be, it'd be very difficult to say that this is racial profiling. It's not. It's, it's whether someone has met the elements of this offense, which would be a misdemeanor. And as you say, a misdemeanor offense in Texas, all misdemeanors have a two-year limitation period. So we're not, we're not going after someone that's been here longer than two years, three years, five years, 10 years. We're not going after someone's grandmother that's been here for 50 years. There's no way that a law enforcement officer that would make a stop can, can prove that or meet the element of that uh, sufficient to arrest someone and charge them with illegal entry. The way I read the law is that the law enforcement officer well, let me change that. The way I read this legislation is a law enforcement officer has to physically see them come across illegally, not at a port of entry? Well, not, not necessarily. I do think that most of the time there will be what we call on view observations of people right. breaking the law. So I think most of what occurs, most of the enforcement, what I've said is 95% of it would be within 50 miles of the border. So many of the cases will be observations, people seeing them cross. But we also have other means. We have technology, we have uh, surveillance, video surveillance, we have other means that they're utilizing right now, law enforcement utilizing in Operation Lone Star, that we can rely on too. We wanna make sure that, that we're apprehending and prosecuting the people that are violating the offense of illegal entry and not someone else that may have been here for some period of time or someone within which the uh, the law enforcement or any prosecutor couldn't prove that case. Will police in Dallas and Amarillo and Houston and San Antonio and Austin, will they be able to enforce this if they don't see somebody coming across, if they don't have any evidence that I cross without going through a port of entry? Well, if they don't have any evidence, it's gonna be hard to prosecute somebody. But uh, I, it's a statewide law, so it's not just enforced just on the border. It could be enforced in Texarkana. But the likelihood, the, my view is the farther you get away from the scene of the crime or the situs, uh, the more difficult it would be for a law enforcement officer to allege and prove that someone has uh, crossed illegally 
uh, and that they did it when they did it, and that they did it within two years. And, I mean, you well, just don't have that information. Well, why not just write it? Write it where you know it's it's only for 50 miles along the along the Rio Grande for, right. for that area. Just narrow it down. And and that's a fair question. But I do think there could be cir circumstances where law enforcement officers would know, just like we we have now. To, I represent. 12 rural counties, we have arrests constantly where people uh, are with smuggling and other things. We have people in our county jails right now that would qualify under this offense. And so we don't want to necessarily limit it. We don't want to tie law enforcement's hands. And so that's why it's a statewide law. But I do think there would be much less apprehension, yeah. uh, arrest, detention, uh, prosecution in these urban counties and places away from the border. But, but how would you know, like for, for Jack County specifically, how would you know somebody in the county jail might might be able to be prosecuted under this? You, you probably you, wouldn't. You probably wouldn't unless the officer would otherwise, you know, they, they're trained to look into something and, and investigate and come up with that determination. So, But wouldn't they have to ask, are, are, you, are you here legally, do you have a passport, stuff like that? Wouldn't they have to ask for your papers? Not really. I don't think they, I, they do. And not only that, but if they do that and they haven't read them their rights, then that's what we call custodial interrogation. That runs afoul of that evidence even being admissible at a trial. So there's some safeguards, and there are more safeguards in Senate Bill 4 that we did as far as due process, uh, taking someone to, not just relying on law enforcement, but taking someone to an independent magistrate and letting them make that determination, and we go from there. And if, and if someone uh, doesn't agree with that, if, if someone is charged with that offense, and they think, hey, wait a minute, I don't meet one of those criteria, or you can't prove that I did it, because the burden of proof is not on the defendant, it's on the state. And if they feel that they can't prove that, then certainly they're entitled to their day in court, just like any citizen or, or non-citizen would have. You, you said a, a moment ago, make sure I understand this, that it's, it's far less likely somebody in Amarillo or, or Dallas or Sherman right. might, might get, uh, you know, pulled over and charged with this, unless there's, you know, someone's looking for Jason Whiteley that they saw across right illegally. How would somebody in, in areas away from the border be charged with this if, if a law enforcement officer did not ask? Let, let me see, you know, proof of citizenship. I don't think they would be. And that's why I'm saying all this mass hysteria and fear mongering in my view and, and, and telling folks that, hey, it's going to be another show me your papers and we're going to be locking people up and right and left. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think most of the enforcement is going to be on the border. Where, where officers see people coming across and, and they're going to handle them accordingly. A lot of Democrats and, and different organizations say they're going to sue over this because immigration law is a federal responsibility. Right. What's, the, what's the state's argument to, to, to keep this? Well, I, I, I agree with you. I think there will be uh, one or more lawsuits, and that's fine. Uh, some people have said, are you trying to overturn the Arizona case? My position is no. We've House, Senate Bill 4 is drafted so that, in my view, that we're not in conflict with the Arizona case. So I, I know that mirrors, it mirrors federal law, right? SB it 4 does. mirrors federal yes. law. I don't believe it's preempted by federal law. I don't believe it's in conflict with federal law. I don't believe it's in conflict with Arizona versus U.S. And also that Texas uh, and any state has the inherent right, ability, and authority to protect and secure its borders. Uh, but uh, what was the question that you had? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of bouncing okay. around here too. Um, here, I guess here's what I'm trying to figure out. This law mirrors federal law, and you guys wrote it intentionally like that. Right. To, to, to mirror federal law. Right. Is there, is there, has the Supreme Court ruled, is there any, any case that says that states can or cannot 
mirror federal law and enforce something that the feds aren't enforcing on their own? Well, it's interesting you ask that because if you look at the Arizona case, uh, 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 the late Justice Antonin Scalia right. wrote a partial concurrence in that case and he went on for pages and pages and pages and cited authority that had been authority for 150 years of uh, his disagreement with some of the rationale uh, by the majority opinion in Arizona and said that states have the absolute right to do that. And if you look at the Constitution, the U.S. Constitution, under Article 1, Section 8, Clause 4, talks about naturalization, but it does not talk about immigration. And, uh, and specifically, you won't find immigration in the Constitution. And specifically under Article, on the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution, Texas, uh, the states are, have rights that are reserved to them sure. unless they're specifically granted to the federal government. And so uh, uh, Justice Scalia's argument was, hey, Texas, I mean, Texas, or not Texas in that instance, Arizona, but states have the right to enforce their borders. That is one of the given rights of any, of any sovereign, which, which a state is. Is this law designed to test U.S. Supreme Court? I don't think so. That's not the way that I've approached it. My view is it's designed to be constitutional and to withstand that scrutiny. It's not designed to overturn Arizona. I don't, you know, I don't care. It's really irrelevant because in my view it's drafted around. We stayed away from the areas that Arizona tried to do, the areas that were preempted. and. Um, you know, there are certain things that Arizona tried to do, have to do with employment, where they went after the employees, right. not the employers. A lot of different things that they attempted to do that was improper, and the court determined that that was improper. Said, no, 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 they those are preempted, it, yeah. right? But, but the, but so we've tried to stay away from those problem areas and stick with what uh, is not in conflict with federal law, and that we have every right and ability to do. And as I say, these are drafted. It's drafted in such a way under eight U.S.C. 12, I mean 1325, 1326, 1225, all those things that have to do with illegal entry, illegal reentry, and removal that is currently law, has been law for decades. In fact, it's been the law for 71 years. It just country. mirrors that and makes exactly. state law the same thing. But, but, but the question still is, again, whether, whether, states can do, whether states can do that and enforce it if the feds aren't, right? Isn't that what the, the legal question is? Well, I believe they can, and again, we're not trying to enforce the federal statute, right. but we mirrored the federal statute to make it a state statute, and the and the same people say, well, why the punishment? The same punishment. We don't exceed the punishment that's that's provided in the federal statute. We've 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 tried to mirror that, and so we've tried to be fair. And those uh, folks that think that well, this is going to be create mass hysteria. I haven't seen any mass hysteria in the last 71 years. Well, not 71, but I haven't seen I haven't seen it uh, ever uh, for decades. And so, why do we think that that's going to occur now? If if this is used a lot on on the southern border, um, where you know state troopers are, Operation Lone Star is underway. Do you expect jails are going to fill up down there because those jails are already busy? And, and every every county sheriff I've talked to in South Texas says they're they're stretched thin as it is. Right. I do think uh, we have to be careful because I think on the border there will be more apprehensions, more detentions, although I do think people will opt into rather than incarceration, they'll say, look, I'm here, I got here illegally, just take me back and I'll go back across. So the long-term detention that we're doing and the things that we're doing now for really the only tool that we have available for law enforcement unless they ha have an on-view offense of something more serious yeah. is criminal trespass. Well, our, our jails, along the border are filled up with people charged with criminal trespass. 
So those folks would not have to be incarcerated anymore. They could be handled under this statute. So I think in some respect, you're gonna have less incarcerations, uh, certainly for those offenses, and those folks can, be, can use the beds that are available here. Plus, we have bed space available under Operation Lone Star under facilities that have been retrofitted. We've got thousands of beds available uh, to be used by these counties. We also had funding available. We have grant funding through the, through the governor's grant program uh, that, that is uh, uh, appropriated for this, as well as there's about $2 billion worth of the uh, border appropriations that we did this last legislative, legislative session right. that could be repurposed for reimbursement to counties in the event that that becomes necessary. You represent how many counties? 12. And, and these are hundreds of miles away from the border. Some they people are. watching this might say, why in the world are you making this a priority? Well, I would say if you uh, spend any time in my district, you would know that border security is a number one issue. Because what, because of Biden's continued failure and refusal to enforce our, our, our secure our borders and enforce immigration law, every county in Texas has become a border county. Every county in Texas is affected, whether it be with law enforcement, whether it be with healthcare, whether it be with education, whether it be with just general operation of, of government. We're all affected, and I would argue that my rural counties are more adversely affected than larger counties because so. we just don't have the budget to accommodate all this, especially in the interest of healthcare. I mean, we treat, I mean, I represent a hospital district. Uh, we treat whoever walks in the door for whatever they need. You know, those folks, if they come here illegally, they're not on Medicare, they're not on Medicaid, they don't have private insurance, they don't have any money. We absorb those costs. How many undocumented show up at these hospitals, do you know, in your well, district? It's hard to tell. I don't know that we keep that, that, that record and that number, but quite a few. In uh, the previous uh, situation, I, I knew one hospital uh, that was in my district, and they ran into one, one person. Cost, it ended up costing them because uh, over $100,000 that they ate that cost, they absorbed that cost. That's a lot of money to a rural hospital. Yeah. Do, do you expect state and local law enforcement to enforce this? I do, but I don't think it'll be as heavily enforced in these other areas that we've talked as we've talked about away from the as border. what it is away from the border. So when I and I'm very sensitive to cost concerns. I'm, if I ever have a bill, uh, I, I want to make sure that I listen to every interested stakeholders. We tried to make adjustments in this bill for a lot of folks that have come to me and said, "Hey, we're concerned about this," and I said, "Okay, well, what can we do to address it? Yeah. Let's fix it." So. I hear some of those concerns, and we've tried to address some of those concerns in, in this Senate Bill 4. Representative, what do you say to, to somebody who's first generation U.S. citizen, whose, whose mom or, or dad or grandparents might have, might have brought them to this country uh, without having their own permission to be here a generation ago, who are rightly concerned probably that, man, I don't want my grandparent or my loved one out there walking around when this goes into law. What do you say to those folks who are concerned about this? My view is we are a country of immigrants, and I'm for immigration, I'm for legal immigration, but, but we can't have illegal immigration, and that's what we have now on our southern border, and we have got to do something to combat it. We had in fiscal year 2023, 2.475 million uh, encounters. For the month of September alone, this, year. Uh, this, past, this yeah. past year, 270,000. That's numbers. not sustainable. Yes, and, and, and the problems, we have human trafficking, we have uh, women, children that are being trafficked, we have uh, fentanyl, 
right. uh, 429 million lethal doses of fentanyl into our country, enough to kill every man, woman, and child in our country. Mm -hmm. We can't continue like this. But, but how about that person who might be watching this in Houston who says, you know, listen, I, I'm, I'm worried about my grandmother going to the grocery store and going grocery shopping because she brought me here illegally a generation ago. No, that's, as I said, it's, it's a misdemeanor offense. They can only look, at first they can only look to the two years, and then how do they, how do they uh, prove that someone, that they got here illegally, that they're an alien, that they got here illegally and that they did so within the two year time frame? When did they do it? How did they do it? Where did they cross? Uh, and a law enforcement officer just doesn't have that information. I understand the concern. I understand there's, there's always concern. Uh, you know, when you're, we're dealing with potential criminal activity, but this law, Senate Bill 4, is not geared toward targeting people, people that have been here for years and years. It is not at all, and I don't think its enforcement and its application will be that way either. A couple last things here for you. Any idea when, um, any idea when the governor's going to sign this? I don't know. Uh, the sooner the better. I, I'm ready. Uh, hope, hopefully I get invited down to a bill signing. I'm looking forward to that. It Where's could it be this be? week. What's that? Do you know where it's going to be? Where, where the I don't be? know. Uh, I'm, you know, I haven't. Uh, well, I've learned in the legislature you don't say I don't know. You say I'm not advised. You don't want to sound. They haven't told so, me yet. Yeah, right? I'm not advised. I don't know when that will be. Well, what else can you think of that, that, that people are? There's been a lot of publicity on this right. on this uh, legislation. What else can you think of? You'd like to add or point out or let people know about that you think they're not getting right on this? I just think. The idea, the biggest concern is the racial profiling thing and the other is that I just don't, I, that's not the purpose, that's not the intent, and I don't think that will be the result of this. I think Governor Abbott needs, and our state needs some tools that we can do something to enforce the, the, the flow, the illegal flow of people coming across the board. And we've, we've worked with, uh, he has memorandums of understanding with the four Mexican states that border us where they have agreed to cooperate. They acknowledge and recognize that it's a problem. They've agreed to help cooperate. And so I, I fully expect that that will happen. Good deal. Representative, thank you for the time. We appreciate thank it. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate you having me. Thank you. Click subscribe and get Yolitics every week. Eolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas.